0: Well, a very good Sunday morning again to all of you. We are thrilled to get to share this space and this conversation around why with all of you. We are in week three of this series, and if you 're first joining us, what you might not know is uh, that we realize as most of you realize that we have questions that come to us and nag at us and questions that we ache over and wrestle over throughout our lives. And we wanted to hear from you, if you could ask God those questions, what would they be? And so we crowdsourced this and threw it out on social media and received hundreds of questions and took sort of the five most commonly asked questions and decided to unpack them in this series. And two weeks ago, Dan Meyer walked us through the very basic starting point, why God even believe that you exist. Why are any of us here today? Some of you maybe were told you had to be here today, but why did someone tell you you had to be here today? Why do we exist? And then uh, last week, we talked about a really hard topic. Why do bad things happen? Why does it seem, God, that you allow hard things to happen? And our conversation for this week at first glance follows very close on the heels of last week's discussion. And I urge you to go back and download those on our media library if you missed them. They're foundational for what we're doing. If God, you are a God that could stop hard things from happening, why don't you always do that? God, have the miracles stopped? What is a miracle? Are you a God that does miracles? Because most of us find ourselves searching for or clinging to the story of a miracle when we are in one of the hard places that we discussed last week. I remember a few years ago, receiving a phone call from one of my childhood friends, neighbor across the street, to let me know that her sister, my childhood best friend, was unexpectedly in a hospital on life support. And through a series of events had collapsed and her brain was no longer sending signals to the rest of her body. It had been deprived of oxygen for too long to keep working. A young, beautiful, fit, friendly, outgoing, vivacious mom of three kids, a wife, and here she was in the hospital. And I drove to the hospital sobbing and I ran into that room and I laid myself over her feet and I prayed like I have never prayed before for something and never prayed since for God's miraculous intervention. And I remember laying there watching her feet stick up through the sheets and I just prayed. I said, God, just wiggle her toes. Just wiggle her toes. Surely this is not that big of a thing for you. You are God after all. You created the world, how hard could it be for her to just wiggle her toes to give us some indication that she will come back to life? And I knew in my head that there are people who have received miracle stories, who have prayed that same prayer and unexpectedly, a week later that person walks up out of the hospital and we just wanted that moment for ourselves. And what I want to be is the pastor today who stands up in front of you and tells you that she stood up and walked out of the hospital that we got the miracle. But I'm the pastor, unfortunately, that has to tell you that we were at a funeral a week later. So why, why didn't we get our miracle? And why haven't some of you had your miracles? That's the question that some of us ask. Now. I'm going to suggest later that we ask ourselves a different question than that. But when it comes to this subject of miracles, we do ask, you know, God, how do you intervene in the world? How do you choose to do what you do and have miracles stopped? And why don't I see things like you did in the Old and New Testaments? Why haven't you parted the waters of Lake Michigan like you did the Red Sea? Why don't you walk down Salt Creek Why don't the people that we love, when we think it's what God should do, be healed or raised from the dead? Why do some people seem to experience miraculous intervention and healing and others do not? And then what is even a miracle? Scripture is filled with different kinds of miraculous acts. The more accurate phrase, instead of miracle, the more accurate translation is actually signs and wonders. Scripture is filled with signs and wonders from God. From start to finish, the Bible is crammed with these stories. And thanks to popular culture, most of us are familiar with a few of them. Certainly, the stories of the Israelites, thank you to Disney with the Prince of Egypt or Charlton Heston or whatever it might be, we know the stories of the parting of the Red Sea. This story when Moses leads the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and runs them down to the edge of the Red Sea and its dark and they're frightened, and they've just been rescued, and the hooves of the Egyptian army and their chariots are barreling down on them, and they find themselves on this strip of sand and rock looking at this body of water saying, now what? Which one of these two will be my undoing? And they're angry and they shake their fists at God and they say, are you even kidding me? You pulled us out of slavery just to die here. And they moan and they beg and God answers. An angel of the Lord who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud also moved from in front of them and stood behind them. This pillar is a symbol of God's presence. And this pillar was coming then between the armies of Egypt and Israel, and throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither want near the other all Night long, And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. And the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Imagine for a moment if you were there walking. Like, who wants to go first to be sure this thing holds? (laughs) And the sea and the salt and the spray and the humidity and the feet of these ancient people walking in places where dry feet have never stepped. This is a miracle. God delivered his people from danger. Miracle stories like this are filled in our scriptures. These same Israelites daily receive bread that drops from heaven to sustain them at very young ages. Some of the first faith stories we learn as children are the stories of Nebuchadnezzar and the fiery furnace where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go. And by the way, those are the hardest words for little. Why do we start with this story, right? And they're supposed to be burned up, but they're not. And this is in Daniel chapter two and then a couple chapters later in Daniel six. Daniel himself is rescued by God from the lion's den. And then we flip to the New Testament and the gospels record dozens and dozens of miracle stories, signs and wonders performed by Jesus and his followers. Jesus heals the sick, he raises people from the dead. He feeds a crowd of 5,000 with just a few fishes and loaves. And then one night again, we're at the water's edge and we're told that Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him and suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat and Jesus is sleeping and is expected. The disciples wake him saying, Lord, save us, wake up. We're gonna drown and Jesus, a little irked apparently, says, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Like this controlling of nature thing is no big deal for me. So I am going to rebuke the winds and the waves and it was completely calm and the men were told were amazed and ask what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him. He heals, he controls wind and water who is this God of miracles. I believe in those miracles. Even though I did not get the miracle that I prayed for, I believe in the God of these miracles and I believe in the miracle stories. Now the conversation around these miracles goes far beyond these biblical texts. Stories of explaining or trying to explain the unexplained transcend faith traditions and even those who don't have a faith tradition will say that something perhaps was a miracle. It would be hard, we would be hard pressed to find somebody who hasn't perhaps casually used the word in everyday conversation. I mean, after all, we have a condiment called Miracle Whip, don't we? I typed the word miracle into my Amazon search just to see what it would pick just for me, and I was told that there are a variety of miracle products. I could get miracle swaddling blankets for a baby. I could get miracle noodles. There's miracle rice, miracle berries, miracle salads. There's miracle ladybugs, miracle blades for shaving, and miracle ice scrapers. So I don't know what my purchase history on Amazon is to have brought all of that up, but every single one of those products claimed something miraculous was going to happen if you buy it. If you pull up your Netflix account, there are miracles on 34th Street. There's the Cokeville Miracle, Mrs. Miracle, there's Miracles from Heaven, and of course, one of the best hockey movies ever, simply titled Miracle. Despite our ease, culturally, at invoking the word miracle, and despite the numerous stories we read in scripture, when we encounter a miraculous story, we are often suspect. Did the trace of cancer really disappear? Was it really not in the scan? Or did the doctor maybe just misdiagnose it the first time? Did she really just miraculously find her way from where she was lost in the wilderness on a hiking trip, and, or did she just, you know, just really get close to being rescued and she just stumbled out on the road because that's where she actually was? Is there some sort of scientific or rational explanation for these things? We may nod in agreement when we hear these stories and may find ourselves wondering, I don't know. But all of us who have experienced these stories, we know these are true, they've happened to us. And we will claim the miraculous story every Christmas of the God who came to earth in human flesh through the womb of a teenage mother. And then in a few months, we will get to Easter and we will come and worship and celebrate the miracle that is the life and the death and the resurrection of this God. But if when we greeted one another this morning and shook hands and I said to you, hey, tell your neighbor a story about a miracle, Some of you would be super excited because you you have them, and some of you would go, wow, it just got super weird at church. It just got super weird. I don't know if I'm that person. I don't know if I believe this. Is this story the residue of an overactive imagination? Are there perhaps a few details that got missed along the way? There is an air of intellectual superiority that hovers over those of us sometimes that claim these divine things. People say, I'm not so sure that I buy that, and because of that, What a miracle is and how it happens has been a topic of theological discussion for centuries. And scholars of faith and scholars without any faith at all have researched and studied how you explain what Christians claim is an act of the divine. A casual word search on Google will nod actually at the divine This is what a casual word search will trip up for you, a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. Skeptic and famous philosopher David Hume spoke out against miracles, but in order to do so, he had to define them, and he suggested they are a transgression, a breaking, of a law of nature by a particular volition, a will of the deity, or by the interposition of some invisible agent. C.S. Lewis, who researched this and wrote on this extensively, suggests that a miracle is something unique that breaks a pattern so expected that we hardly consider the possibility it could be broken. And he goes on to say, when that which is outside the universe wishes to invade we have a miracle. Yale historian, New York Times number one best-selling author, Eric Metaxas, suggests that we do best to stick with Hume's definition. That a miracle is indeed an event when the divine appears to break the laws of nature. And Metaxas says this, he says, a miracle is when something outside time and space enters time and space, whether to wink at us poke at us briefly, or to come and dwell among us for three decades. As Dan indicated last week, when we trip into these conversations, we find ourselves discussing things like the laws of nature. And Dan unpacked for us last week that there are moral laws and spiritual laws and physical laws that govern the universe. These natural physical laws, we live with daily. We rely on them and we are, for the most part, grateful for them. Most of us this morning did not wake up and kind of go with one eye, nervously feeling around, wondering if we were stuck to the ceiling somehow in our sleep, as if the law of gravity had suddenly just stopped being the law of gravity while we were sleeping. We don't think about that in the morning when we wake up. We wake up, we step out of bed, and we get on with the day, and we don't wonder if this whole thing is just gonna stop at any given moment. When you drove here this morning, or when you drive home, you will, whether you think of it explicitly or not, now you will, because I just said it though, but you will think of the laws of physics. For every action, there is what? An equal and opposite reaction. So if you drive your car into oncoming traffic, the laws of physics tell you that is not going to end well, we rely on these as people of faith. We have faith in the universe and its order the way God created it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The vault of the sky filled with the sun and the moon and the stars set in their places. God orchestrated these laws. Alvin Plantinga says that one of the ways in which Christian theism, Christian belief in God is hospitable to science One of the reasons modern empirical science came to be in the Christian West is because we assume God is in control of nature and he does not act arbitrarily, which is to say God is not up in heaven with some finger swirling in the bowl saying I'm just gonna mess things up over here in the western suburbs and see what happens. You know, this is not the God that we worship. We worship the God who created these systems and orders. So the question is, when it comes to miracles, and the reason I unpack that for you, is do you believe that God can break into the system? Do we believe that this is a closed system and that God created it and took his hands off of it and that nothing can quite break into the bubble and intervene, or do we believe that the system as it is has points of lights and entry where God can break in and do the miraculous. Again, to repeat Lewis, when something unique breaks a pattern so expected that we hardly consider the possibility that it could be broken, do we believe in the open system? Why does God break into the system then? What is the point? Is it, as much as we desperately hope for it, to give us what we want in the hard moments, like the one I unpacked from my own life here at the beginning, is it for our personal comfort, or perhaps even our gain, or is there a bigger reason that God breaks into the universe and intervenes in the world? And does that help us understand somehow why it happens in some ways and for some people and not others. It's interesting because if we were having this discussion in some parts of the world where there are signs and wonders and the movement of God happening in a very different way than it happens up here in our nice, reformed, thoughtful, ordered universe, there are churches around the world that would find it astounding that we're even having the discussion on whether or not miracles occur because they see them and interact with them in very different ways than we do in our part of the country, and that is the movement of the Spirit of God in that part of the world. But what is the point of a miracle? To give us what we want? Or to wow us so we can tell a cool story? The point of the miracles in scripture and in our lives is to point to the person of God. They point to the person of God. They are signs and miracles that point to the person of God. Tim Stafford suggests that we consider miracles like road signs. That when you are traveling, and let's say you're driving to San Diego, the first time you see the word San Diego on a street sign, you don't just pull your car over and say, well, we've arrived. The vacation doesn't start there. The vacation starts in San Diego. But there are signs all the way leading you to this Wonderful place. Miracles point to the wonderful God, the creator God. The point of them is not to be an end in of themselves but to point to the wisdom and the grace and the providence and the power of God. This is why when we read the stories of Jesus in scripture, there's usually a follow-up line or two that talks about how what has just happened wowed and amazed everybody in Mark 2 When Jesus heals a paralyzed man and the man gets up and he takes his mat and he walks off, we read this. He got up, he took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And we read this amazed everyone and they praised God. Everyone looking on praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We've never seen the power of the divine do something like this, break into the system like this. In Mark 5, when A crowd gathers around a young girl and they're weeping as they believe this young child has just died. Jesus walks up, almost nonchalant, and says, hey, why all the crying? She's not dead, she's just asleep. And we read immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. Scripture tells us she was 12 years old And at this, they were completely astonished. Yes, were the parents relieved and comforted? Absolutely, is the point of the story relief and comfort for the parents. Or astonishment at a God who can break into the system, who has that much power and majesty, and therefore we should worship and adore and trust in that God. You know, and then the Gospel of John. In John's gospel, we have so many marvelous, wonderful stories about the life of Jesus that we read. And in John chapter 20, there's this subtitle in the NIV. It says, the purpose for John's gospel. The purpose for this whole book of stories of Jesus, John says is this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which by the way, I didn't even record in this book, he says, there's more, (laughs) And he says, but the ones that I wrote, the stories you just read, these are written, why? So that you can have what you want? No, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. These stories exist, these movements of God, these break-ins through the system exist so that we may believe and trust in the power of the Lord God Almighty. So when we experience one of these stories, or something that we wonder, is that really a coincidence? You know, many of us have these. They're like, there's no possible way this could have just happened on its own, that these dominoes could have fallen this way, that this moment could have occurred. When we experience those moments, it points to the bigger person, the person of God. Miracles point to the person of God. They point also to God's providence. Providence is this big sort of fancy-ish theological word that basically means God has not abandoned the world he created, but is at work in it. Most of us as parents don't just create our children and then just wait to see what will happen. (laughs) We are invested in their flourishing I had a moment with my son just a couple weeks ago. I have one child that just for the life of him cannot get his act together in the morning to get to school. And I had just exhausted myself with the list. Did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your hair? Did you get your, and I just was done. And he just, just didn't feel like doing anything I said. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm out. You get yourself to school. I don't care if you have to walk there in your pajamas. I'm out. And then I walked off and took care of his other children. I don't know if that was a good moment or not, but he looked at me with sheer terror. Like, don't leave me alone in this. And then I was like, well, are we going to brush our teeth or not? Let's do this, you know? And then we figured it out. And, but that little moment, that, that was very good for me because he listened to me. But there was this moment where he was like, Did, are, are you, are we, is that for real? And spiritually, there was a moment like that. Did you, did you, are we, God, (laughs) are you still there? Or did you take like a 700 year vacation after you did this? Because I confess sometimes I I don't see you the way all these other people say they do or the way the Bible tells me that you're there. God's providence is like this big bottle of Elmer's glue that we just squeeze and it oozes all throughout the universe and this whole thing is held together. And sometimes it means we don't, See the signs and wonders that we expected to see but we may see others and it means other people are experiencing them and it means that whether we get the miracle that we prayed for or not, there is still a God who is holding this whole thing together and not just for the sake of this world but for the sake of his majesty and his glory and for the sake of the rescue and the redemption and the restoration of our very souls There is a God and he is holding all things together. When I drove to that hospital and I laid on the bed with my friend and I said, obviously we didn't get the miracle we wanted but there were so many providential moments that still happened. I was in my car driving down there praying the prayer of St. Francis and quoting something from Psalm 29 over and over and over and over and over and over and over over in my head all the way to the hospital for peace, for peace, for peace. And I remember as I shook my finger to push the button to go up to the floor and the doors of the elevator closed and I look and sure enough in that elevator is a plaque with the same prayer and the same verse nailed to the wall of the elevator. The thing I had just prayed all the way down there. And then when I left the hospital later that day, the doors open and there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that could have been there at that moment in time. But you know what? I walk out and I see the friendly face of a person I never in a million years expected to be at a hospital 45 minutes away from my house. And I was greeted by the face of an unexpected friend. God was still holding all things together in this world and in this universe, this is what God does. The system is not closed. It's like the it's like an upside down spaghetti strainer, just kind of over everything, that God can break in, and these moments of light can break in. And lastly, miracles point to God's presence. They point to His power, or His person, His providence, and they point to God's presence, and presence and providence are are closely related because we have to be aware of God's presence to see the rest of it working itself out. Sometimes we might fashion ourselves miracle hunters. Like if you don't see something massive happening, then maybe God isn't real, And, and I think we would all agree that if we could have an audible voice from heaven drop down at the end of every day that says, do this or don't do that, or I'll fix this for you, or maybe I won't fix that, we would probably find ourselves believing in God with a little bit more ease. But that's just not the universe that God created. But just because that doesn't happen to us on a daily basis doesn't mean it doesn't happen, and doesn't mean it hasn't happened to tons of people that we're with right now, But the deal is, we're not supposed to be walking around looking for those massive events so that they bring us what we need. What we are called to do as people of faith is to spend our lives dwelling and basking in the presence of God. Like Chad talked about as he was singing, the sun sinking into a farm field, warming our souls, reminding us of the miracle that is the fact that we exist to experience that moment, at all. Barbara Brown Taylor says this. She says, earth is so thick with divine possibility that it is a wonder we can walk anywhere without cracking our shins on altars. It's everywhere, God's divinity and purpose. She goes on to say that people encounter God under shady oak trees on river banks at the top of mountains and in long stretches of barren wilderness. God shows up in whirlwinds, starry skies, burning bushes, and in perfect strangers. And when people want to know more about God, the son of God, Jesus, tells them to pay attention to what? He does not say, when people ask, here's a miracle story, although that helps, but if you want to know the nature of God, if you want to know if God is real and with you, he says this, pay attention to everything happening around you. The lilies of the field, these are parables that she lists here, these are the stories of Jesus. Pay attention, my friends, he says, to the lilies of the field and to the birds of the air and to the women needing bread and to the story of workers lining up for their pay. The parables of Jesus, of everyday life, of cooking and of farming and of reaping and of sowing and of journeying and of traveling, the things that we all do. If you want to know who I am, wake up and pay attention to the miracle that is every single day because I am here. And I did not take my hands off the universe. I am in it and I am moving through it and I am moving through you to bring about my providential purposes for all of humankind. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world but sometimes in letters too large for some of us to see. And because it is hard, to make our way through life, and sometimes we would love to crack our shin on an altar but we just can't find one. These are the stories that continue to point us toward God and whether they've happened to you personally or someone you know, they exist because they are guideposts and signs that lead you to the power, the person, the presence and the providence of the God who set this whole thing in motion and who loves you, and is here with you, and that in and of itself is the best miracle, that we are the children of a divine God who cares and loves us, and brings us to redemption and restoration and joy in him.